0: Okay, so we're going to skip the question today and introduce a very special guest, who is Dan Keating, who I found on Facebook and have been following his posts about um, homemade developers and other photochemistry experiments um, and projects. And I really don't know too much about him, uh, but I've been really impressed. (laughs) And so we asked him to be on the podcast. And so we're here today with Dan Keating. Daniel uh, Um, yeah tell us about yourself
1: um 25 years in the photo industry starting at Photomats main roll lab in fountain valley then working on to various uh custom labs one hour labs I was a service technician for five years uh from 99 until 2004 when I saw the onslaught of digital having its way with the industry I jump shipped from southern California and we sold our cracker box house for half a million dollars at the (laughs) height of market insanity and then ran across the uh, floor of the desert with a gunny sack over our shoulders and knives in our teeth and moved to tucson bought a home paid cash end up working doing software support for intuit is my main gig Uh, but my uh, first love photography i've uh, recommissioned my darkroom at home much to the chagrin of my wife Uh, she's very patient um, so I have one of the bedrooms is my dark room. I have one, two, three, four, five, uh, five different enlargers set up. One over here on the side, and another Russian model in a suitcase downstairs, uh, <laughs> ready to go out to a student's house if we ever, if the need should ever arise, and it does from time to time. Um, so <laughs> so <laughs> what? Quite what, well are, what are these students? They're not from Intuit. Uh, so usually, it's children, teenage children of some of my coworkers. And the young twenty-somethings who were given like who remember cameras, film cameras when they were five, six years old, before their parents went digital at the turn of the millennia. So some oh, I remember this vaguely, you know they do, and they're interested in the old technology. One young gal I, I tutor is sort of a, a happy hippie type person. She dresses in cotton. Uh, and uh, natural fibers, and hates anything plastic. She loves mid-20th century stuff. She has a dial telephone in her room. Yes, a dial telephone. And she loves the old twin-lens reflex cameras and uh, old viewfinders, uh, Voigtlanders and things like this. She just gloms onto them, and her eyes light up. It's it's wonderful uh, to see a young person like the old stuff.
2: I love that new generation too. And I'm encountering them in my work, metalwork. There are people who Mm -hmm. suddenly fall in love with old technology and wanting to use, you know, blacksmith's tools and that sort of thing. But they're not doing it out of nostalgia for something that they remember. They're doing it because it looks great alongside the the trends we have
1: now. Mm -hmm. As opposed to 3D printing. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah, Like what? what,
2: Which is Ethan's specialty, yes.
1: <laughs> well, hey, the right tool for the right job. You need mm-hmm. something. If someone says, I want something in Dropbox in 72 hours, and I want it in color, I'm going to shoot digital. I hate to say it. Um, oh, if yeah. someone says, I want archival permanence, I want art, photos, I want an old-time look, out come the view cameras. You yeah. know, that's that's just a given. Yep, that's same
2: here.
0: It.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, sure. Dan,
0: how long have you been taking pictures and uh, what do you like to shoot?
1: Uh, my first uh, excursion photography was in junior high school in 1972. I signed up for the photo club. I didn't have a camera. They had a loaner an Argus C3 brick was the first camera I shot film with. I now own uh, three of them. I went and found some at thrift stores and such. And uh, I love the old cameras. Um, I shoot uh, I was asked by my coworkers, younger coworkers who are into roller derby, of all things, if I would shoot derby for them. I'm not a sports photographer. I end up doing <laughs> portrait shoots of the people while they're on skates is how it turned out. They look kind of like trading cards. I got out there with a, uh, a 105 2.5. I shoot old glass manual lenses on digital. And so I go out there with a 105 2.5, a diffused strobe. And with the digital, I'm able to capture a fairly nice moving portraits of the girls. They love it because it gives the, the, the panning with the motion, the blurred background, but they're sharp. So they get pulled out of the image is uh, like selective focus. So that's and, a, that's
2: the Nikkor lens you're talking about?
1: Correct. Correct. So that, a 105 what, 2.5. I had that lens since the early 80s.
2: What kind of and the camera... nice thing about
1: Nikon, of course, they didn't chintz out. Yeah, Uh, a Nikon uh, D5100 is what I usually shoot Derby with. The lenses pop right on. They're AI mount. Yep. And all you have to do is shoot full manual. You're on full manual, but that doesn't deter me, you know, from all the years of shooting film. Hey, I can, you know, uh, chimp the first shot to see if my exposure is good. And away I go.
2: Mm -hmm. Yep, I do the same thing.
1: So, but, But you also still shoot a lot of film, and
0: I know this because... I have watched and read your articles about um, uh, homemade developers, in particular, and, and other photochemistry stuff. Um, how did you get into doing that sort of
1: thing? Well, it, it was uh, mostly as a, as a student growing up. I grew up very poor, and I couldn't afford. Uh, fancy things, uh, a lot of uh, kit developers and things like this. My photo instructor instilled upon me uh, a practice uh, that I used up until the the, uh, the 90s, where you take Dektol and dilute it 23 to one for a one shot film developer. I went even further into using a uh, uh, ammunition reloading, a grain weight scale, and measuring out just a roll's worth. At 23 to 1, figuring out what the ratio was of powder, it's, it, mixing the bag very well, then extracting out just those few grams, like 1.9 grams of Dectol for a 300-mil tank. And I've been splitting batches uh, for you know, 30, 40 years and never had a bad roll. And then uh, I befriended a vendor on eBay, uh, Yorchaikalo, from the Ukraine, and he goes, you know, uh, we don't buy any you know, prefab developers. Let me send you some Russian developers that are pre-packaged. He sent me these little packets of developer that would have been packaged for a student, you know, the high school or, or college students in the Ukraine. Uh, from what I looked at, it looked like meat tall and sodium sulfite. So I'm, it looks like a D23 kit is what it looked like to me. Uh, a, a blister pack, uh, a, a wax paper uh, seamed in two sections and you cut the two sections apart Put the one in, then put in the other, and mix it. And he goes, "You know, I can get Metol for ten dollars a kilo here. <laughs> yeah, oh, really? Yeah, fenedone's yeah. twenty three dollars a kilo. So I'm starting to buy chemistry from this guy, and I'm trading him American hot sauces, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> peanut butter, you know, those uh, things those like might this. Be decent uh, it looks like I, I may have dropped off. I got a message of reconnecting. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, I heard you uh, the whole time. You heard me? Okay, good, good, because it said reconnecting. Um, but uh, hydroquinone, I get everything very inexpensively from either the Ukraine or China. I got a kilo of uh, uh, benzotrilazole for $19. Now, I, I didn't really think about how much I was buying, but I did the math afterwards. I have enough benzo to treat base fog for 600,000 rolls of film. that's what that works out to be I'm giving giving it away on the internet telling guys hey you can fight base fog use a little bit chill down your developer mix it chill it down to about 48 Fahrenheit and then put in six drops of this 1% I'm developing film from 1952 with no base fog
2: what's the chemical again
1: benzotralazole it's uh, known as benzo it's commonly used in water treatment plants. Uh, that's its commercial use uh, for like the mainstream application of it. But it's Kodak, I believe it's anti-fog number three in their catalog of their uh, proprietary stuff. Like Elon in Kodak is meat all to everybody else.
0: All right, Dan, let me let me Daniel, let me stop you for one second. Sure. Although the economics of this is is super fascinating to me. Like, how did you get to this point where are, are you a chemist by trade? Um, what Like, <laughs> did you learn all of this on the Internet? Do you have a book to recommend? What? How, how did you get to the point where you are now making all of uh, all of your photochemicals?
1: Well, my my forte back in the lab days was chemical process control and color programming, managing the one-hour lab, seeing the graphs and charts. Uh, Someone would grab uh, a bottle of Windex instead of water to spray off the racks at the end of the night, Uh analyzing what went wrong with the chemistry, who mixed in cold water. (laughs) What do I need to add to this to bring it back to an even keel? Do I need to add more starter, more concentrate? So by years of lab management and working with c41 chemicals i was able to make adjustments and such and then going into my own home darkroom, i want to increase contrast so increasing contrast i need to raise alkalinity what can i use for that well i can use sodium hydroxide potassium hydroxide uh, uh i want to say uh, a T, uh tsp trisodium phosphate tsp 90 sodium metasilicate is the new TSP. It's, it's no phosphate, but that's a wonderful additive for people who want to raise uh, alkalinity without dealing with caustic uh, sodium hydroxide that could get an exothermic reaction. So So it's wall wash.
2: Ethan wants to know since (laughs) neither of us have time Mm -hmm. to spend a couple decades in labs like you did, um, Mm -hmm. uh, or by the time that time is up, we'll, we'll be getting pretty old. So, is there any book or reference that you recommend to help kind of bring us up to speed so we can follow what you're talking about?
1: Right. Uh, <laughs> the dark room cookbook by Steve Anchel, of course is everyone's go-to book. It has some good basic information of, you know, this is the accelerant. This is the super additive. This is the developing agent. Um, and it's just a matter of sitting there experimenting. I'm sitting right now on three, 37,000 feet of 35 millimeter film. If I shoot a roll a week, I'm going to be out in about 209 years is yeah, my so you, calculation. You're going to have so, to shoot,
2: shoot faster.
1: I, I yeah, think, and um, of course give some away and sell some too. You did, know. I, just,
2: I just found a copy of that book at half price books. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to, to getting into it.
1: Uh, edition three Is available free on PDF if you search online, because uh, edition two had so much errata in it, misprints and uh, 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 typos, that version three, they kind of gave gratis. If you search for free PDF of Darkroom Cookbook... You'll find it like on ePDF or something of the sort. It begins with an E. I don't remember the exact site name, uh, but it's free. It's not bootleg or anything of the sort. You can download it. <clears throat> the, other, the other books that I, I use are a copy of the, uh, uh, the uh, Darkroom uh, uh, reference guide. There is a, what they call the Big Old Book. It used to be back in the from nineteen forty eight through the nineteen seventies. This book was by subscription. As new formulas and stuff came out, that you pay a couple of bucks every few months, and they'd send you filler pages to put in this huge giant binder. This thing's about the size of a Unix manual. <laughs> I have one over here, and it's got every published formula from nineteen forty eight through nineteen seventy seven. Wow. So all the old things that are discontinued GAF, ANSCO, DuPont, DuPont formulas. DuPont got out of the business when I started shooting film in 1972. So all this stuff was, was unknown <clears throat> to me. I, I, you couldn't get it. Hey, Dan, now, are, yeah.
0: Daniel, are there um, formulas for emulsion coatings?
1: There are. uh, There's not a whole lot. I mean, there's like, you know, silver nitrates, um, uh, the uh, alternative processes, uh, uh, you know, calotypes, uh, amber types, gum uh, uh, chromates and things like this. Uh, There's not a whole lot. There's like Rolay liquid light that you could use to coat glass plate and things like this. I have uh, I still have packages of old uh, glass plates from the Soviet Union uh, that were sent to me with a uh, FKD. Uh, from my friend in the Ukraine, and I, I took one out. It, it, they survived the, the shipping, and they're from the nineteen early 1950s. I took one out and exposed it, and I said, hey, your uh, look, I, I got really – he goes, oh, my God, those things worked. He, he was amazed that they still came out. I said, what, are you selling me crap here? You're shipping me stuff that's – he goes, I didn't think it was any good. I'm giving it to you. You're paying for the shipping. Mm-hmm. You know, You're, you- <laughs> That was just gratis, man. It was just crap laying around. Hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he's a good guy uh, there. You know, people will say, oh, don't deal with the Russians. The Russian stuff is is garbage. Some stuff was during the quota periods when they had to crank out so many a month to meet quotas. And then other times you get really good stuff from the Soviet Union. Uh, Mikrat film, Tasma Mikrat, 200 and 300 uh, is very, very good film. Some of the Sfema films, not Are they so still good. making it. Uh, Tosma went out in 2000. Uh, Astrom took over one of these Fema plants, one of the Tosma plants, and they're currently uh, doing recodings and things like this. Uh, but I buy stuff in surplus, thousand foot cans, whenever I can, and have them shipped to me. I've got about 4,000, 5,000 rolls of the Tosma Mikrat. That I can expose anywhere from ISO 3 to 1,600. Wow. Just by adjusting the developing time, using a small footprint phenodon uh, formula that I have. The phenodon, uh, 50 grams, I can get 40,000 rolls of film out of it at max. 10,000 rolls at stock. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Seven-tenths of a gram of uh, uh, baking soda.
2: So, so this uh, sounds like 35 millimeter that you're describing? Yes. You, ends, yeah. Do you have a preferred format for uh, this kind of experimental developing? For
1: experimental, definitely 35 just to keep the cost down, and I can do more tests per. Um, I can do like uh, snip sheets and things like this, a 4x5. I have quite a bit of 4x5 film. Uh, one money saver in 4x5 is a newspaper recording film. This is graphic arts film that was sold in 200 foot rolls by 2-foot or 3-foot widths. So you're looking at um, about 2,800 sheets of 4x5, doing the math, cutting it down, and I pay $45. Do they still make such a thing? Yeah, Yes, they do. Uh, you can I... find it. that still makes it. It's pre press film uh, designed for like, exposure for laser diode. Sure, Most people sure. are going digital, but you can still find it. I find rolls once in a while on uh, eBay. And buy so it from
2: uh, yeah go ahead yeah so it's two or three feet wide and a hundred feet long two hundred feet two hundred feet and so this comes in some right. kind of giant tube and you have Correct. to it's, wrestle, it's like... wrestle it out in your dark room and slice it up <laughs> it's
1: on. green light it, it's green light safe so green I can have fairly safe. bright green lights on and I just roll out enough and I have a little template made out of cardboard and I cut out four by five nine by twelve 13 by 18 centimeter, you know, 18 by 24 centimeter, up to 30 by 40 centimeter for my FKP for the big boy. And what do so your whatever, cutting
2: templates look like?
1: They're just sheets of cardboard cut uh, to that and, size. And yeah, using, I just, a, you using know, a knife, yeah. yeah. Yeah, using a knife or a pair of scissors, snick, snick, snick. I'm not cutting myself. I, I'm in a bright enough light I can read a newspaper practically. What's under the, the I, I,
2: ISO range for this?
1: Uh, it's very slow. It's going to be ISO one on that. I can get a little more out of it, but not much. It's scenic film. Come That's on. great. That's well,
2: great for the cameras that we build that you can't get a shutter on. So,
1: yeah, correct. One Mississippi, two Mississippis, you pull off the cap and stick it back on. And if you like those soft water going over the rocks thing, the poetry and motion stuff. You don't need neutral density filters. Hey. Just <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. And another yeah. thing that I'm going to ask you about is since it's green light safe, does that mean you want to shoot through a green filter to, to enhance the the green objects? or
1: No. Actually, if you shoot a green filter, you'll have nothing.
2: Okay, so the opposite.
1: So, yeah, the opposite. Red filter would, would be good. Red, redder or uh, orange on that mm-hmm. would accentuate.
2: <laughs> sounds, sounds really cool. So I'm working on a camera that will... Take at this point I'm the version I want to build will give me a a thirty inch square negative um, size, and so I was thinking in terms of paper negatives, but this sounds really interesting too mm-hmm. yeah
0: kind
1: of I, I was for, I, I came into that paper once again, going again going back to my friend in the Ukraine he does estate sales and he bought some stuff from a photographer and this was presented to him as paper photo paper he gets it home he goes. This stuff is, it's gossamer thin. It feels like, like wax paper, like, like wrapping paper. He thought he got ripped off. So he put a sheet in his easel, exposed it and put in the developer thing. He's getting nothing. He gets a giant transparency. Hmm. Goes, Daniel, what the hell is this stuff? And he sent me a tube, a poster tube, along with the Zorky that I ordered. And he sent me like, like a, a stack of sheets for free. And I realized what it was. It was about the size of a newspaper and this stuff from the from the ukraine was red light safe so you can work on it under red light and slow iso one and i said it's got to be some kind of pre-press graphic arts film that's when i looked domestically and saw this fuji stuff and then also some agfa stuff and i came upon this newspaper recording film and i got the feel of it the gossamer thinness Uh, and I said, you are, this is it. He he like, wonderful. You solved the mystery because it was bugging the hell out of him. What he what he got burned on or what he thought he got taken for. He was hoping for big sheets of photo paper to make, you know, 30 by 40 or giant prints. He ends up with film to make giant transparencies, which is cool if you have a light box and stuff. But I said, Hey, let's cut up and put it into a camera. He goes, it looks not bad. And he's sending me another, what he had left of this stuff. That should be arriving in about a week or so from the Ukraine. So I'm going to have two big bundles of this and about, uh, I'd say about a thousand feet of those uh, uh, rolls and boxes, about five boxes of that. So I'm well provisioned.
2: So I have one more question about this newspaper recording film before we get started on the next thing. You're using a green light uh, in the darkroom to to cut it. Is that – does that – anything complicated there or you just find any old green gel and put it in front of a a dim bulb?
1: What I've done is I've gotten a strip of LED lights. Uh, They come in like a – I would say about an 18-foot strip. And they have uh, both red, green, and blue. What I did is I cut out the blue circuit so I won't have accidental blue lights. And I put in two separate wire leads, one to the common ground, the other to the hot for that particular color. And as I plug in the different plugins, I can have just the red on when I need red safe lights. And then the other lead I plug in when I need the greens. So those are up on the far back wall uh, away from the, the general cutting area. So I have a distance of about seven feet Eight feet, you know, in a, uh, I'd say, I'd say the room's about 10 by 10, a standard bedroom here in Arizona, uh, in our house and the, uh, lights, I keep those, you know, eight feet or so away from my cutting area, you know, bright Uh enough where I can see, but nowhere near any intensity of fog. And I also have them on a dimmer. I can dim the LEDs. Right. right? And it's a one ISO film anyway. So yeah, it's
2: it's sensitive.
1: (laughs) No, no. So, um, and, and, and if I'm cutting the, uh, 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 former Soviet Union film, the, the Russian equivalent of that. I use the red safe lights at that point, so I switch for whatever material I'm using. Well, that's yeah. only appropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Right. Oh yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, tell me, uh, you know, I'm, uh, this is Graham. I've just jumped in since, sure. um, um, and uh, tell me, uh, okay, so this is is it's not sensitive to green. It's sensitive only to blue or it's a sensitive blue and and red red. okay blue and red um okay and um so (laughs) that must be really interesting taking pictures outside with foliage um it's uh yeah that's gotta just go down to dark deep you know uh talk about the deep dark forest um but um Okay, so y- you use that. Is is this developable in uh, normal chemistry?
1: Absolutely. The person who I bought it from thought I was, you know, on a fool's errand. Like, dude, I don't want to have a refund here. You do realize okay. this is special development required. I said, no, sir. Here's some examples of I used, uh, like surplus X-ray developer. I get oh, X-ray okay. developer for 19 bucks a gallon, and I use five mils. I dilute it one to 40. Uh, and use 5 mils for a a 300 mil uh, tank, and it does a nice, you know, continuous tone uh, with full tonal range. uh, With good rich blacks, the the foliage doesn't look unbelievable as far as my mesquite trees in the backyard and such, and it's fairly fine grain. It looks really nice in Obsidian Aqua in the Pyro developer at one ISO, and, you know, the, the Pyro, it's just... You cut yourself on a be careful, that's sharp, you know, kind of a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, like technical film. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, it, and that's
2: uh, that's essentially what this is. It's a technical film for reproduction of detail.
1: Right. And, and uh. what and another wonderful thing about it is it's almost impervious to scratches. Unlike dinking oh. around with x-ray film. Ugh, oh, oh I touched it. I, I breathed on it, it scratched. Putting it into the holders and such.
2: Well, I you guess was, you're gonna
1: get scratches with X-ray film.
2: I guess it was designed to be horsed around in a you know print yeah. studio. So yeah. Yep.
3: So is is this the stuff that they would um, use to burn litho plates, metal litho plates? Correct. Um, yeah. Okay. So then I and it's also thick, right? It's also got a thickness to it. Then um, not quite as thick as an X-ray, but um, thicker than what you would expect like normal four by five film to be on.
1: Actually, to me, it feels a bit thinner on this. Let's oh, if I can get a okay. speck on this box here. Hold on a second here.
2: Right, okay.
1: See
2: here. Sounds like great stuff for the wheelbarrow camera. I'm excited. All
1: right. Uh, a tenth of a millimeter, uh, 0.1 okay. millimeter thickness, 0.004 okay. for all those English uh, people who get 40 rods to the hog's head. You know,
3: <laughs> Hang on a second. Uh, uh, okay. So 4x5 S-star base is what?
0: Uh. Are you getting out your calipers right now?
3: No, I am not. <laughs> I'm getting out my Google machine.
0: Okay, and- so while, while Graham is um, calculating the thicknesses of your respective sheet films... Um, Daniel, can you tell us about some of the cameras you've built? So I'm, I'm particularly interested in photochemistry, and, and I would like to ask you many more questions about this. But first, because it, it, it is the Homemade Camera Podcast, and I know that you've built um, a bunch of impressive cameras. Um, yeah, well, how, how many cameras have you
1: built, would you say? I would say probably about, to date, probably about 12 for various people um, and for various uses and purposes. Pinhole cameras, cigar box cameras with bellows, a a four by five rail camera. I I was taken upon this one project of, you know, this one kid uh, was in Pakistan and he would love to have an Afghan box, you know, one of those boxes that's also the dark room inside Mm -hmm, and the camera and the positive paper. And he's just going, he goes, I have nothing. He goes, "I, I literally have nothing. And so I said, well, I thought to myself, what if you had nothing and wanted a camera? How, how bucks down can you go and still have a camera? So I got a couple of uh, old cigar boxes from the thrift store, some hanger strap uh, from a construction site you know that was like salvage, basically one by two pallet wood, just junk. I had a hacksaw mm-hmm. blade, a Phillips screwdriver, uh, a sheet of construction paper that was 97 cents. From Walmart. That's what I folded my bellows out of and some black hockey stick tape, uh, <laughs> a lens cannibalized from a Xerox copier. Uh, that was that was a basket case. Um, so all in all, I made a four by five adjustable rail view camera uh, for under 50 bucks. Uh-huh. And I sent them, you know, the things I said, if you can scavenge and find this stuff, you'll need uh, a palm sander where you can grind. Your, you can make your own ground glass. It's quicker with a palm sander. You know, right. and stuff, but you can do it by hand with about an hour to spend. What's your time worth? You know, kind of a thing. Um, the holes that I cut out for the bellows to go through from the two cigar boxes, I saved the cutouts to make the lens boards. Nothing went to waste on this thing. Nothing on this. I thought if I were just, just had just put the ass out of my britches, you know, some poor uh-huh. bucks down guy, could I make my own quality camera? That would take quality photographs. Four by five is what I end up with uh, as a rail camera. My friend in the Ukraine, my the guy that sent me the Russian film and the cameras, mm. um, it's very hard there for them to get four by five. Nine by 12, they can get all the, all, all day long. But four mm. by fives, because of the whole Iron Curtain, you know, Cold War thing, a lot of people didn't have money to buy them there. They're not common to find used because no one had the money back in those days to buy a Calumet, to buy a Kodak, you know, master or Mm -hmm. anything of the sort. And so I made him a cigar box camera with a, a lens shade bellows that was adjustable from a compendium lens shade. Mm -hmm. I just inverted it. And the front, I had a little uh, uh, copal shutter uh, with a Tom and on lens from like a Polaroid copy camera. And then the body was a cigar box And I made the ground glass and uh, the cradles uh, for the uh, ground glass out of chopsticks that I glued around for a U-shaped frame. And I took my crappiest film holder, a 4x5 film holder that was already cracked, probably had light leaks. I gutted the septum out of it and used that as my glass holder. So the glass is at the same focal point that it would be when film is in a film holder. No math. (laughs) <laughs>
2: uh-huh. yeah i right. actually i actually linked that a picture of that camera from facebook to our facebook group so that's um that's on the homemade camera podcast facebook group now i like that camera a lot
1: okay
2: i've had the same idea i just never yeah. done it the, those um those bellows for uh they're used as shades on large format cameras they look like they'd work yes. i just had never tried it before
1: yeah they work they work great uh just gotta you know put a little bead of silicone where they made up against the body of the camera. Right, because it has and, a, uh,
2: it has an adjustment rail already built into it and uh-huh. light-proof bellows, and yeah, it looks, looks like an excellent yeah. idea.
3: Okay. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. The one that went to Pakistan, um, what did you use for film holders?
1: Uh, for film holders, I, I used a regular, like, old uh, right-way, you know, some old junk ones. Okay. I found sure, sure. Uh, people blowing them out uh, for, like, a couple of bucks a piece. Hey, some might have yeah. light leaks. They've been taped up. I got the lowest common denominator film holders, you know, those I had to yeah. source as, as yeah. bought, you know, kind of a thing. So that was the one thing that, that had to go for money. But I said, some people are showing these things. I got, uh, 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 five of them for five bucks. They're a buck a piece. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. You know.
0: That's good.
3: Yeah. Um, I, I'm just wondering, you know, uh, that would be something for, um, for maybe a bit of a challenge is the idea of uh, a light type film holder that doesn't use the current kind of scheme but could be done very cheaply and um you know uh but i mean but if you can buy them for a buck a piece that for your goal that made that makes absolute sense
2: yeah but for so, say for eight by ten or even bigger like that's what i'm looking at is i want to make it yeah. giant film holders those you can't afford uh and so making those right is a good idea no
1: that that's right. going to be um I, I got this thing, it's, yeah, I, I got this thing, it's a sliding box with like this baffle cover, and it's and it's like 11 by 16 inch. And I'm looking at light proofing the sliding drawer, you know, and making like a little, you know, kind of a felt lip or something, you know, on the back end of a camera. Uh-huh. Uh, but this thing was like a little sliding wooden box with a little tongue and groove top, I just like, like an artist would keep his pencils or in or something like that
0: mm-hmm
1: beg okay, pardon i just made a laser cut version of a sliding box camera that
0: I've been working i, on
2: for I had time. an i had an idea uh you'd probably like this one so i've been laying a bunch of hardwood floor um building a small house for my mom and i, w- I was staring at tongue and groove all day long and it suddenly occurred to me how many camera parts mm-hmm. can be made by cutting ripping pieces of tongue and groove flooring up to make the you know the
3: light.
2: <laughs> so you could do film holders and you know I, all sorts of I, I uh, like lens boards all five. kinds of things like that yeah
3: uh, I just built a four by five uh, pinhole with uh, the engineered hardwood uh, that was put in my house not too long ago so uh, yeah absolutely uh, I've used that before that's that's yeah. good stuff Can and it's more- oh, oh sorry. Oh, and for a four by five, it comes in planks that are just about perfect. <laughs> so, uh, so that's actually, uh, one of the nicer things. You don't have to
1: rip anything. Or...
2: Right. So, so if you don't it, own machine tools that it, you can use pre-machined wood, essentially is the idea.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Cause I have no lathe or milling machine or drill press or, uh, any of those, uh, you know, laser guided things or anything of the sort, you know, a simple three quarter inch drill and chuck, some, some bits, uh, uh-huh. a palm sander, uh, angle grinder, harbor freight, quality tools. You know, is, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you
0: know, r- hey, real, Daniel, can I ask,
1: much. what was the first camera you built? The first camera I built uh, would have been a, a basic pinhole camera. That would have been a pinhole camera uh, using uh, some thin copper sheets, some thin copper shims. I uh, got from a guy who sells machinist supplies. And uh, tiny. Uh, what I did is to punch the hole uh, super clean. I got a very, very, very sharp, very fine needle, and then put the copper sheet on some styrofoam, so it had a little, you know, cush behind it, and then just a small little tapping hammer tap. Just punch that hole clean, and then uh, a little bit of a uh, black marker uh, around the punch hole, you know, to cut down any diffraction, mm-hmm. and just a simple uh, uh, cigar box. Uh, the back came off and a four by five bolted right up to it with a little bit of felt around it. And then to hold it to the cigar box, I used, uh, two pieces of bicycle inner tube stretched across, uh, that would hold the, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, thing light tight and just screws and eyelets that would lash on. And so the lashings of this through, you know, stretch tension, uh, basically held the, uh, uh back of the camera together you know the uh, 4x5 film back
2: cool.
0: cool. and and can i ask what, what's the most complicated camera you've built
1: the most complicated one probably with everything all said would be that 4x5 real camera as far as the time that it took to build it photo document it finish it i ended up putting a more precise focus the uh, people who were looking at it giving constructive criticism going, Hey, it's all really cool, but it looks like it'd be kind of hard to lock down tight focus on that. Am I imagining things or is that kind of a bitch with that? And I said, yeah, it is. And so I looked at uh, adding a, uh, a lead screw from a 3d printer, the replacement lead screw and shuttle. Right. So on, on one part of the camera, I put the little uh, block with the threaded insert and then in the center of the camera where the tripod would, would, would mate, I put one end block and then on the back of the camera, I put another end block in the rod to adjust going back and forth so I could dial it in fairly closely by eye you know, and then mm-hmm. semi-lock it down and then turn that lead screw ever so much and then fully lock it down for precise focus. So getting everything adjusted on that, that 4x5 Palaboy Boy is probably the most difficult camera that I built from from scratch, as it were, totally from scratch, versus taking something that's been uh, put away wet, you know, rusted, busted, uh, cla would you know, that was like – got to be kidding me. Somebody left this in a, in a bucket of water or something, uh-huh. you, know, you find it 20 years later, um, and gut it out, clean it. Um I've seen some, like, just things that would make you cry, you know, uh, abuse, and then make it work again. So, I've, I've kind of pulled off little things like that here and there. Um, trying to think of, God, the most god-awful basket case camera. Um, well, the uh, Anargus C3 that I recently got, uh, the, the thrift store that I go to, I shot the one gal's wedding the bell <laughs> I've also done photo work for the owner. And she goes, Yeah, we got some cameras in, but they are all water damaged, so we just tossed them. You're free to go look. So I look in the bin. I'm, du- I'm dumpster diving, a bunch of broken glass mm-hmm. and everything. So here's this uh, one movie camera. I turned it upside down, and water poured out of it. <laughs> and then the Argus uh, uh, was pitted. You know, aluminum doesn't rust, but it does pit. Right. And so that aluminum was all pitted. The shutter still functioned. It had uh, water underneath the lens. And by that, you Uh, mean that
2: you could still catch a mouse with it if you put cheese in it?
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And and so I I took it all apart, uh, blew it out with uh, electrical contact cleaner, um, uh, a a little bit of uh, uh, carborundum paper glued to a a, a tip of a a pencil eraser, you know, and and, and cleaning the pitting off, off the blades and such. Um, uh, Molybdenum disulfide you know uh, uh, powder uh, got it where it's the shutter is accurate. I get what sound like accurate speeds. I don't have a timer or, uh, what I want to say a, a chronograph you know kind of a thing but the lens elements cleaned up. The shutter works it's still got a little bit of pitting you know around the edges. I, I sanded a little bit to try to get rid of that but I have another working Argus C3 that was being thrown out. It just you know, water in the lens. Um, yeah, uh, thankfully I hadn't <laughs> sat too long
0: in there.
1: But um, yeah. Uh, that okay, was, so that was an up- yeah. so I have a theory. I have a theory
3: that um, one of the reasons why we made all of those like Royal and uh, Underwood typewriters, those manual typewriters, is so that after the you know the Armageddon takes us um the cockroaches will have something to type out their newspapers on yes and, and i think they're going to be taking pictures with argus c3s so you know
2: it's you, you it's, do you do re- realize that there already is a newspaper column that was produced by a cockroach back in the 1930s <laughs> you should look it up it's called archie and mehedable and okay it, it's worth it's worth reading it's great great and, stuff
3: And and it wasn't kafka
2: no no it was a cockroach that lived in new york and and wrote for one of the new york dailies uh weekly okay. column yeah
3: okay and then ran for office later on no, no. um Uh. just to let everybody know I, I did look up the thickness of uh four by five uh film is usually two tenths of a millimeter and this um recording film is one tenth of a millimeter so it's half as thick right. and uh and i did a an ebay search and uh uh, is it Fuji uh, branded film that you're using? Fuji recording yes. film? Yes. Okay. Yeah. There's so a, this, and, two different
1: types. Fuji HRR and an ES 1500R. Let me see here. Hold on okay.
3: a oh, oh, RE 5100R, I think is the one because that's what I'm looking at right now.
1: And yeah, E 5100R. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And this one is like uh, it says 91.4 centimeters, which I think is about three feet uh, somewhere mm-hmm. in there um by 61 meters so (laughs) which is 200 yeah yeah yeah, which is enough for a while (laughs) well except
2: except i'm going to cut it in these 30 inch
3: squares (laughs) no seriously it'll be enough for you for a while with 30 inch squares um uh that's 290 bucks which is you know it's a lot up front for something if you haven't tried it but uh it, it, when you get down to the per unit cost, it's pretty cheap. Um, yeah. So I picked so, up mine
1: so. for 45 bucks a roll, $45 oh, yeah. a roll up to 80 at the most. Uh, that one person, I, I think it's the same guy that's selling it down in Florida. He paid full dollar for that. And, and people that pay full dollar for stuff don't want to let stuff go at a discount. It's not like a, right. a liquidator, someone who's going into like a estate sale or something. I paid uh, 2000 bucks for the whole house. So every item, if I make 50 bucks off of it, uh, right. I'll end up, you know, with a profit, you know, right. kind
2: of thing. So yeah. that's that stuff the, you just described, Graham, is fit, it's about 50 cents a square foot. That's a pretty good yeah. price. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, if you figure you get, um, you know, four four by five sheets off of the square foot, you know, um, we're down into the, um, you know, g- close to roll film we're get we're into the paper cost,
1: right? The cost yeah. of shooting paper. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah. Now I this,
1: figured my costs were 1.3 cents a frame for what I paid uh, for four nice. by five.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, this, um, uh, let me see, um, the, this stuff that's on eBay right now, he says, uh, purchased one roll or one year ago, originally cost 610 bucks that he's that's selling. The guy. For the yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, it's the same guy. Okay, well, uh, definitely worth uh, worth looking into this. Uh, and thanks for tipping us off. Now it's a race for the eBay listing.
0: So, uh, okay. so. so I was going to bring this up later, but maybe we'll we'll circle back. To the questions I want to ask, but um, Daniel, I don't know if you've seen, but um, we've been working on some direct positive reversal uh, methods to take positives on. Photo paper, um, both in black and white and in color over the last couple of months. Um, okay. And I was wondering if you have any experience with reversal processing and if you might posit um, some theories as to what is causing a problem that I'm having. Mm-hmm.
1: I've done some uh, positive uh, work doing uh, black and white negatives and developing them as positive slides, you know, where it was negative film never intended uh, sure. to be uh, shot as positive. Um, I, I, I found at my one of the, the, my favorite thrift store uh, ten pounds of potassium permanganate at a buck a pound. Pool filter medium. So mm-hmm. if you were to go to a uh, photographer's formulary and try to buy potassium permanganate, it's eight ninety five for thirty grams, and you have to fill out a DEA waiver and and declaration form and send in copies of your picture ID. You can't get it anywhere in Europe. Forget even. Trying to get uh, potassium permanganate anywhere, or you can go to any good pool supply place and look for green sand pool filter refill media, and you can find potassium permanganate for ooh, about thirty-five dollars for a five-pound tub, and no one cares that you're buying it, and it's a hundred percent pure. And I use that along with uh, sulfuric acid battery uh, electrolyte from uh, Kragen Track Auto that kind of a thing. And I make my reversal bleach. I came upon a guy and I'm going to try this. I just recently got it. There is a substance called iron out. Yeah. That's you. Yeah. Yes. That you use to remove like rust stains, clean out water softeners. This stuff replaces the, uh, fogging developer and it's a fixer. So everything after the, uh, a conditioner bath is, Is is a teaspoon of this iron out crap. I haven't tried it yet, but I'm going to experiment with it and see what I get. So wait, it works as
2: a it works as a fixer. So you just you just develop it, wash it, and then put it in this stuff.
1: Well, uh, for, for normal reversal process, you have a first developer that you use with a little bit of sodium thiosulfate as like a conditioner. Right. Then you have a wash. And then you have a bleach, which is the potassium permanganate in my case. Uh, People also use a dichromate bleach, uh, but I use the potassium uh, permanganate and the sulfuric acid. And then you have a uh, potassium metabisulfite conditioner. After that, a rinse and and a conditioner. And then normally you have then another developer. Then you have a reversal fogging. And then you have your rinse and your fix and your wash and your photo flow and everything, blah, blah, blah. So after the uh, potassium metabisulfite you use this uh, iron out and it's the fogging developer and it's the fix on that and you don't you, you don't have to do a reversal uh uh in light uh in the thing you can <laughs> it's you a know, just use, yeah it's, ah
0: cool so um have daniel have you made any reversal prints or, or just negatives
1: uh, just negatives. I, I mean, you did reversal printing back in the eighties with C- Chrome kits and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. You know, so, type R prints uh, also, <laughs> also in the labs doing type R uh, direct printing from slides, you know, Kodak, uh, right. you know, R printing versus C with an internet, you know, kind of a thing.
0: So the process that I've been working on most lately that I've been really stuck, um, is I've been shooting direct color, positive reversals on RA 4 paper. Um, yeah. And basically, I'm doing that by first step uh just regular deck tall, then stop bath, then I fog in the light and then you know I'll develop a normal r a four color developer and Blix. um and that seems to work really well, except I keep getting this like very faint pattern kind of in the midtones and the darks where there's you know where there's uh silver left over or whatever dies um and it, it almost looks like a giant film grain. Somebody suggested it's reticulation um, because the, I'm developing at room temperature and the paper was designed to be at, you know, 99 degrees or whatever. Yeah,
1: 95. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But, but, you know, I'm not thermally shocking it. You know, it goes from room temperature into room temperature. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know what it is. And I wonder if you have ever seen a pattern like that appear on, um, or a four paper developed in Dectal. Mm-hmm.
1: And this is all Trey or Jobo developing, no roller transport, no, no, no calenta. you're no, not putting just, into a machine in the wall or yeah, anything like that. No, 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 okay.
0: no. Just a uh, standard tray developing.
1: I'm trying to think. Um, in the paper, it's not going to come up with anything like any, you know, uh, paper grain from like the envelope from it's sweating. That's all plastic on those. Yeah. I, and even I'm, then if it's back to back, I'm trying to think of what it be. Now, it, it, and this is cut paper. This isn't from a roll that you're cutting, correct? Like right. a, a commercial mini lab roll or anything of the sort? No, no, it's just a box of eight by tens.
2: I'm going to make a, a proposal. I don't know anything to speak of about this chemistry, but what I'm wondering about is, is it possible that the jumbo grain kind of effect has to do with the f- the fact that you're essentially developing it twice, and that there might be an interface between stuff that was developed in the first stage and then the stuff that <clears> was <throat> developed in the later stage, where well, there's like like a frontier at a crystalline level between those two uh, processes. Well, Does that so make
0: sense? I I see the pattern in the black and white negative in step one when it's only been developed in the dectal. Okay. Right in the first developer, and so I think that pattern. You know, obviously, if it's in the black and white negative, it's going to get printed on into the color positive. Um, and so I think the issue is happening at that step. Right? So maybe try
2: try some other paper developer process, perhaps.
0: Yeah. Hey, I
3: have a
1: question in there.
3: Um, y- you were um uh asking about if whether you're or not
1: expose. Was... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, if you were to expose regular black and white paper in the same light source and give it the same uh, development, this pattern is non-existent. Is that correct?
0: Uh, I think so. I have not.
1: Uh, yes. Yes, I have shot. Yes, that is correct. Okay. Just making sure that it's not something in the diffusion head or something in the light path, you no. know, that's that's tripping this or anything of the sort. Okay. Okay. So
2: it sounds like it's uh, the Ra4 paper reacting to deck doll that's really setting this up.
1: Yeah, I
0: think so.
2: Yeah. Although you now, when you see this, is when you turn the light on, right? So there could be that could have an Im- impact as well.
0: Uh, no, because I I have turned the light on accidentally before the stop bath has taken you know total totally neutralized the developer, and I've seen. What that happens, you know, what that does. By the time I turn the light on, um, yeah. So you don't, you
2: don't think the fogging has any part in it? It's just the no. Dectal? okay? Correct.
1: All right.
0: I don't know. Okay, That's so a mystery. We'll I was gray. hoping Daniel would you tell know, me,
1: you yeah. know, just switch to this. I was thinking dectol will bring out more grain. You know, absolutely. If but you're seeing it's it's some other kind of pattern, like. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, I think about, anything in the environment that would cause it, you
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I've well, shot black and white in the same manner, and it has not, you know, done this. I, I wonder sorry. if I should try a fine-grained paper developer,
1: black and white paper developer for the first. I uh, thinking that like Echo Pro or something of the sort. Or, I, have a, um,
2: I have another suggestion. What if it is RA4 paper have any layering in it?
1: Yes. Because,
2: okay, so maybe it's not getting through, maybe you need to try a much longer development time and a much weaker developer so perhaps it'll soak through more thoroughly.
1: So I have tried that <laughs> or a, or warmer and less concentrated, you know, you know, use less active juice but right. warm it a little bit. You know, right, so it yeah. permeates those layers. Try that. Yeah. yeah.
3: Okay, so there was there was a question you asked asked about whether or not it was roll film, you know, machine roll film uh, or roll paper. Is there uh, anything that's different about that roll paper uh, um, as opposed to sheet paper? Uh, You know, uh, because when I look at that, first of all, it comes in four inch wide rolls. That'll fit in my four by five camera really nicely. I'll still have to trim it a little bit, but um, it, it. and you can get a whole bunch of it for relatively cheap uh, if you consider it, you know, in comparison to color print film. Uh, was, is there an issue with that at all?
1: We're talking about just uh, having R. a place a, to a hang a it, you know, yeah. to cut it. <laughs>
3: having... Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't leave it on a roll. I would I would cut it. I'd be doing the same thing that you're doing, except I would do it in full dark um you know cut it down to four by five um but it's cheap is was my uh, my thinking there's not a there's not a chemical difference or anything on that that you guys know no
2: no i think think in in fact i think the sheet comes from roll in the factory i think they always make it in roll and then they cut it up as a separate step yeah
3: yeah okay exactly yeah uh i was just thinking that
0: uh that it would be very convenient but
3: uh yeah okay well well cool.
0: So um I want to bring it back now that I've wasted a bunch of our time on my uh unending mystery. Um Daniel I found out about you originally because you were um, posting your let's say research and experiments into uh, phenol developers and and making your own developers. Yes. Um, I thought that was super interesting. I loved the article. <laughs> um. And, you know, I've been watching sort of you post um, experiments a little bit just in Facebook posts for weeks and months. And then eventually, I, I forget where I saw the blog post, um, but it was all about, you know, how, how you got where you got. Um, yeah. How, how did you get started uh, making green tea extract phenol developers? And uh, okay, yeah, what's that project about?
1: Uh, That started from a couple of people's comments of uh, trials and tribulations they had. One photo instructor uh, was conducting a class in Utah, in Salt Lake City, uh, where there's a predominantly Mormon uh, representation and not a whole lot of coffee drinkers. He had (laughs) caffeine that he was uh, uh, introducing people to. And so here's uh, school kids whose parents don't drink coffee at home. And they have the smell of coffee in an enclosed dark room. Now put in those 15 grams of wash soda and take a big whiff. Have that sticking in your nose Ugh. when you're not a fan of coffee. <laughs> this one gal projection vomited in the dark room. They had a huge mess to clean up from the caffeinol smell. Uh, and I'm looking at this from my point of view of thrift. Like, well, instant coffee is not a cheap ingredient. I mean, if you if you're – not developing a lot of film. If you're a, a sporadic user, it makes a lot of sense to use caffeinol. You have a little bit of instant coffee, some Arm & Hammer wash soda. You can even take baking soda and heat it in a pan on the stove to cook off the extra carbon dioxide and water molecules and make your own uh, uh, you know, wash soda, your own uh, uh, sodium carbonate from sodium bicarbonate. I think uh, you can
3: make that way too.
1: Yes, yes, back in the <laughs> 80s, I we used to make freebies yeah. and stuff. Um, and then a little bit of vitamin C. So I'm looking at, you know, I started looking at just using tea as an alternative to, to the coffee to say, hey, you can use this. Another person in Poland, she was going to have to give up her darkroom because of uh, dermatitis, contact dermatitis to sulfites and metal. And I said, don't give away your stuff yet. Don't give away your stuff. So I'm looking at a point of view of keeping people from puking from the smell of burnt coffee in a dark room and also keeping people from having to spend all that money on instant coffee and, and 16 grams of wash soda for one roll of film and four grams of ascorbic acid. Oh, my God. You know, it, it, it's, it's a cheap chemical, but I grew up real poor, right? Going mm-hmm. once back again to having to steal food out of grocery stores back in the day. It was that bad, folks. You know, it was really bad. Um, what can I do for people to help them out? And so one of the, the guys posting in the room, in the vintage film room, and he go and uh, he, I was talking about uh, – he had gotten some caffeine pills. He's a health health guy. You he won't see an ounce of fat on the sky. He goes, hey, can I use these caffeine pills instead of coffee? Because I can't take them. They make me too jittery. My heart was pounding. I'm afraid to take these things. And I told him it's not the caffeine in it, but it's the phenols in the caffeic acid that is the developing agent in caffeinol. He goes, oh, you mean like this stuff? And he gives me a picture. He sends me a picture of this supplement, this green tea ECGC phenol pills from like, you know, uh, you know, uh, what I want to sure. say uh the vitamin uh, store.
3: Health food store,
1: yeah, yeah, health food store, yeah, GNC, you know, GNC kind of a thing. And so I looked at the at the bottle and I looked locally for it. Sixteen dollars for ninety caps. Sliced open a cap, put it in there uh, uh, minimal amounts of, uh, what I want to say, uh, baking soda. I use sodium car- uh, bicarbonate, a little bit of, uh, sodium hydroxide and, uh, a fraction of the vitamin C and I got development out of it. Very nice development. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got it down to one pill and a handful of these other chemicals, you know, to drive the pH and to give the super additive of the vitamin C and I thought to myself, okay, now where can I get this green tea even cheaper? All hail Walmart.com for this new science green tea phenol powder. It was uh, 250 grams for 16 bucks. A quarter of a gram of this stuff. It's half the price of domestically gettable Metol. What's it I get called metol again? Uh, this is uh, it, it's green science? tea phenol pe- New science. Green tea phenols, it, nu nu science, new science, you know, like okay. a of right. new science. I can send you folks a link. Um, when I, uh, I have my uh, article at DIY Photography. If you look at how I made uh, ph- uh, developers from uh, green tea and peppermint, uh, some of the other things that have a lot of phenols in it, peppermint has a lot of phenol. Cloves have the most phenol. But I got horrible staining from cloves. It's it's a lot of phenol, but it's not film friendly. Peppermint not quite as much. The McCormick's peppermint extract, the little tiny bottles like there, it's like two ounces for five bucks. All I needed from that was a quarter of a mill, a quarter of a mill. Wow! Developed a roll of film along with the. You know, talk about having your darkroom smell nice, and you're not putting a whole lot of crap down the drain. If you're conscientious, what's my footprint here? 16 grams of wash soda and 4 grams of ascorbic acid or 7 tenths of a gram of baking soda. 4 mils of a 10% solution of sodium hydroxide. So you mentioned,
2: a, you mentioned a, D, a DIY photography site? Yes, uh,
1: I, 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 I did a write-up for them, and they yep. published it there. Is that, that, is that a blog? I've got a link. I will put it in the show notes. Okay. And so I kind of documented the films I was using and how I, the, the journey to the minimal formula. Uh, this formula that I use is is based, I would normally use it with phenodon. And a tiniest amount, I take uh, four-tenths of a gram of phenodon. And put it in 50 mils of alcohol. You can make it that way. And then all you need is 0.65 of a mil to do a roll of film along with a little bit of – yeah. So 50 grams of phenodon gets you 10,000 rolls of film.
2: I'm just having an image that you have chemical formulas and amounts tattooed
1: all over yourself
2: because you're just spitting this stuff out. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been doing it. I, 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 I have D78. I got I can I can emulate. I have the chemistry. I can pick just about any formula from history from my big book. You know the the uh, uh, you know, one of the uh, desk references, mm-hmm. a dark desk reference, and I can emulate any chemical, any developer from history, with the exception of a few rare ones that use formaldehyde, nasty shit like that. I don't want that in the dark room. I don't want you know, right. you know. Uh, but small amounts of otherwise healthy stuff or less unhealthy stuff, um, I can have a student get their hands wet, you know, gloves on and stuff like this. But I don't have to worry about respirators or air exchange handlers and things like this on an industrial level in my home. Uh, mm-hmm. Who wants that, you know, kind of a thing
3: hmm Wow, yeah. Uh my bit, my concern is putting anything down my septic.
1: Um you go. So if you're if you're not on city hookup and you have a septic, right. you don't want that natural flora down there. Uh right. Yeah. yeah. Right.
3: So you you mentioned um the EcoPro um from uh from Freestyle, uh right. it, which is ex- essentially extol um, and I've been, I've been using that since I got back into film, which, you know, six years ago. Um, and I, I, I don't dump it down my, my septic, but I, um, uh, it, but the little that will go down no matter what I do. Um, it, it's, it, it seems to be pretty benign, which is nice. Yeah.
1: Cause it, it's a... like toxicity is all about dosage and delivery. You right. know, how much is in there. And how are you delivering it? You know, too much air will kill you. Uh, uh, oxygen under pressure in a scuba tank. When you get down below one atmospheric pressure, you're dead. You know, kind of a thing. Right. So,
2: yeah. Hear that, Nick? Yeah. And, uh, hey, and t- too much homemade <laughs> camera podcast can be fatal as well. So I have yeah. a question. Um, so we're all, I'm all in, in uh, excited about the direct positive work in color that Ethan's been doing. That's Ra4. And you told us some of the steps in that, but is that uh, also a basically a process that you could make an inexpensive emulation of a set of formulas for that? Yes. RA, RA4 color developer for the part where you develop the color.
1: Mm-hmm. There, there is a formula, a fellow in China published a webpage where he has a room temp RA4 mm-hmm. just by adding sodium hydroxide uh, to drive the pH. So you don't have to worry about heating it up. Uh, there's a couple of things that are a little hard to source. Um, I'm, I'm going to pull that up. Uh, I can probably send you a link to that. Uh, but he has a link of, of chemicals to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, the ammonium something-something EDTA, I'm trying to find a source for that. Um, probably going to have to get it from like either Look Chem uh, in China. There's a service in China called Look Chem. You, it's like Alibaba. You put in what you're looking for, and then guys send you bids. I can fill your bid huh. for this. You want a kilo for a sample. It's this. you want 1,000 kilos, the price goes down, it, depending on what you need. Uh, there's also a, a, an India service that does that too. You can get anything, just about anything. Like I said, I got uh, uh for 19 bucks a kilo from these guys. The same thing with my benzotrilazole that was real cheap yeah. you got to
2: keep things really clear or else maybe a big rusty tanker will pull up at your dock and yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, filled with fbi agents um yeah <laughs> yeah like powders from from the orient Who, who's what could go wrong there yeah. <laughs> right <laughs>
3: exactly delivered by helicopter yeah um okay so um what what's really what uh was your uh, interest in this um other than than cheapness other than, um, uh, uh, economy is what I should really say. Um, uh, why are you, uh, oh, well, okay. You talked about the, the, um, what do you call it? Uh, the, the anti-vomiting, benefits, yeah. but, um, right. uh, yeah, but, but is there, uh, anything else that that's driving you on these things? Because I mean, that's all well, that one thing peaceful. or is it just, Hey, I can do it.
1: Uh, I can do it, and also, too, what am I using here? What's in this unknown bag from Kodak? What are all these chemicals? Uh, the gal that was going to give up her darkroom in Poland because of the contact dermatitis uh, from sulfites right. and metol. And I said, hey, here's my small footprint formula, no sulfites. Now, you mix as you go. You can't mix it and store it. So right. you need to mix one shot and use it because there's nothing to preserve it on this. But, and you're only putting this down the drain. Folks, you can find this stuff, source it locally. Uh, You can't get borax in Germany, as an example. It's a banned substance. Hmm. So they have to drive hundreds of miles into Poland and hope that the commissar doesn't look in their trunk as they're crossing (laughs) the border. Might as well be cocaine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're smuggling borax, for God's sakes. You know, so finding substitutes for things that are sourced locally. People... People's eyes gloss over when I say, well, you don't have to order from chemical supply shops. A lot of this stuff, uh, did you know that roach powder at the hardware store is 100% boric acid? Sure, oh. you could buy boric acid from you know, a chemical supply shop, like from Photographer's Formulary, or you can get a pound of it for a dollar at the dollar store. Um, lye Drain Cleaner is sodium hydroxide. Arm & Hammer Wash Soda is sodium carbonate. You may be right. an extra water molecule being monohydrate instead of decahydrate, so a little bit of weight difference that you have to accommodate for. Borax, 20 mule team, is sodium tetraborate. If you need sodium metaborate, or CODALC, as it's called, well, you take uh, uh, 69, 70 grams of the Sodium carbonate or of the borax, excuse me, of the borax, and put in 14 and a half grams of the sodium hydroxide. And that makes a balanced alkali. You don't have to buy sodium metaborate or, or try to buy Kodalc from photographer's formulary. So there's things you can do to substitute and save yourself money or have it be locally sourced if they won't deliver it to you, you can't get it, uh, hmm. it's ground freight. Uh, one person says that they really like rhodanol, uh, but it's, it's hazmat shipping. Well, you can buy uh, uh, aminophenyl hydrochloride, 100 grams of it for 16 bucks from formulary, and then along with some sodium hydroxide and potassium metabisulfite, I make 10 500-mil batches at 2 bucks a bottle. Hmm. I've got it sitting here. I, I, made, yeah. I made the batches two years ago. I cracked open a bottle and used some. It's still slightly reddish. It hasn't changed color. Five mils, stand developing. Here's the roll of film. Ta-da! It's not going bad sitting there. It's not crystallizing yeah. like R09 One-Shot does now. You know, I got yeah. I got stung by a bottle of that. I'll buy store-bought stuff when I can get it at a good price and then share it out. I uh, An aerial photography place was going out of business, and they were liquidating where they, they switched to digital. And they had... Ten gallon mixes of D76, mm-hmm. 9 pounds apiece, 18 pounds of D76 for 30 bucks. Now, am I going to mix 10 gallons at a time and try to store it in neat little bottles and you know suck the air out and blah blah blah. No, I'm going to weigh out 8.2 grams for a 300 milliliter roll and use one to three times, one plus three. I-
3: now yeah. I, I I have a question for you. Cause I, I had the same thing. Um, I bought some uh, paper developer. I think it was freestyle from freestyle or, or somewhere else. Uh, it was powder paper developer. And, and I was going to do that exact same thing. Uh, I mixed my first batch. Uh, it was no problem. It, it worked, worked really well. Uh, I came back to mix my second batch. The color had changed on the powder I mixed it and it mixed up black and it didn't develop my paper. So what am I, what am I missing in the handling on that?
0: Okay. I I would say no. Daniel's in the desert and you are in the swamp. I'm in (laughs) Florida. Right.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, Okay. Yep. Moist air is your killer on that. When I split up a batch, like I got uh, a thing of uh, uh, the Ascorbic developer from freestyle just to to try it so i have a benchmark and i buy store-bought stuff so i can say okay here's what's touted as the generic equivalent you can mix yourself well is it really the equivalent without buying the store-bought brand you really can't say that right you know let's have a benchmark here and so i normally have uh glass jars i take old uh what i want to say uh Simmer sauce jars, ragu, uh, okay, sure. whatever, sure. whatever kind of you know uh, jars. First. Clean them, dry them, canning jars. Yeah, uh, old old uh, uh, ball jars and things like this. Clean yeah. them, dry them, and then put the powders in them. Seal them up. Another thing you could do to scavenge the air out of those if you're worried about moisture, especially any kind of air. Butane lighter fluid, uh, Tetanol protectan. Don't spend your money on that. Just go down and get some Ronsonol. Uh, butane uh, fluid, invert it, squirt a little bit in, cap the bottle, boom. And then, okay, block and that's off not the gonna, air. yeah,
3: that's not going to mess with the, um, uh, with nope. the chemistry nope. that's in there. Okay. Ah, cool. No, sir. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that definitely, um, uh, helps out quite a bit. Now I'm, uh, I'm going to get into the next little bit down that same kind of path. And that is, um, I'm guessing you're using uh, a respirator, a, you know, when you're mixing these chemi- chemicals. Um, what else, What kind of safety stuff do we need to do that's, re- that's real basic? Uh,
1: a, a box of nitrile gloves, you know, from Costco. Okay. You get like a three-pack right. of those. And I use just, if I'm using anything with very, very fine powder or a, a pyrocatochol, any kind of a pyro, I'll use a dust okay. mask. On that, I don't bother with respirators, you know, with the cartridges, because those create problems if they're not properly maintained. What cartridge are you using for what substance? Is there your moist breath? Is that growing spores inside? This kind of thing, right? So So that can actually cause more problems. You you can take a a, a common painter's dust mask, a drywall guy's dust mask, and Uh moisten it with water so it catches the particles in the moisture barrier there.
2: Now, I, I want to okay. point out that I wear a respirator eight hours a day when I'm welding and grinding. And yeah. the uh, the standard 3M rubber respirators are pretty easy to manage. And they have a yeah. nice uh, new uh, welding fume mask that has a very small amount of charcoal in it, which is kind of nice. It's basically designed for for fine dust and fumes, but it just has enough charcoal to take out any nuisance background. Like, say, you're at a construction site and someone's painting in the next bay over you know it'll knock out a little bit of the organics but it isn't a big dense organic filter like painters use and so they're easy to use for a little while and then throw away and i I think they're pretty effective
3: okay what about uh and uh any eye protection any uh um other you know other things that we should know that i mean other well
1: yeah, well, I'll for like, sulfuric
3: acid, I think you probably
1: want. To. Yeah, yeah. I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll wear I'll wear goggles uh, for the for the acids. For making my uh, reversal bleach, uh, be very very cautious with sodium hydroxide. Again, gloves. Watch what you touch. Uh, I use long handled spoons, like a, a Sunday spoon, uh-huh. and then add it to water at arm's length. You always hear anecdotal stories. Uh, there, there was a gal years ago back when Donahue was on TV. And yeah. this gal was disfigured. She put a lye drain cleaner down the drain, then decided to heat up a cup of chlorine bleach in the microwave. So it was near boiling and put that down as a chaser to help boost the uh, lye. Mm-hmm. And it came back up in her face mm. and she was a, a monster after that. She was disfigured. And so there are these anecdotal stories when you're dealing with, you know, making a 10% solution in a 50 mil bottle, you're looking at five grams, you know, uh, or 10 grams, I should say, uh, to 50 mils. And that's not a whole lot of exothermic reaction, but still mm-hmm. add it slowly yeah. with a long handled spoon at arm's length on the back of the counter. And you have the, uh, baking soda and water handy just in case you get a reaction from like, Oh, wow. Hey, look, it backed it up here, you know, and be ready okay. to neutralize it. So okay. that's, yeah, that, 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 that's as far as I go into, you know, uh, you know paranoia or due diligence mm-hmm. on that is you know you, and and wear your, your grungiest clothes you know kind of a thing yeah your yeah, holy jeans I, and your nasty t-shirts
2: and i think sometimes too that those steps that you take serve as a reminder of what you're doing if yeah. you know they're like goggles won't save you from everything but they'll help keep you aware that there's a danger
1: at <laughs> yeah. the, the moment you you're lackadaisical is when the house burns down yep. you know kind of a thing yeah Carbon printing where people will take uh, – I'm sure we've all seen and cringed at this – the eBay sellers that feel inclined that they have to take the photo paper out of the box and take a picture <laughs> of it so you don't – so you know they're not selling you an empty box with a chunk oh. of wood in it or something or, or a piece of poop or whatever. You know, right. They, they, have, they feel inclined that they have to prove that there's contents in the I box. Love that going, you color. bonehead. You bonehead. Right. So what yeah. people will do with that is – They'll uh, scrub the emulsion off of that and use uh-huh. it for carbon printing and recoat okay. it. So they have a a, a paper that's already gelatin coated, and they uh-huh. use that uh, for carbon prints. And I, I wasn't aware of that until uh, not not that long ago. One man's trash is another man's treasure kind I, of a thing.
3: I, you know, I'm not far
1: familiar with carbon printing. Uh, can you do a quick rundown or – I, I haven't done it. I've been thinking about, you know, looking into that. Uh, there's a, okay. th- and there's a few things that keep me from doing the alternative. Uh, Silver plate colloidian, as an example. Uh, right. Some of the stuff boils at 95 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. And here in Tucson, Arizona, that's almost yeah. room temperature, you know, a good quarter of the year. <laughs> if the air conditioning goes out, I'm going to have a bomb in the upstairs, you know, uh, dark right. room here. So my wife's going, yeah. Eh. Uh, so yes. there's certain things just because of my environment, yeah. I won't do yeah.
3: Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Um, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Cool cool stuff. Cool stuff.
1: Yeah, the I other did. thing that, that, that drove me with uh, developers and things is I hate to see people saying, I like photography, but it's too expensive. There's a shooter in one of the groups, I think the darkroom group, the guy is in Colombia. Uh-huh. And try getting chemicals of all things in Colombia. He pays sixty dollars. A gallon for a gallon of D seventy six in a mix. Wow, with the import duties and stuff. And wow. I said if you can get you can get Tylenol there and some lye drain cleaner, and then sodium sulfide is sold for soap makers, people that make their own cosmetics and things. You can make your own rodentol, and that also doubles as a paper developer. Anytime you can repurpose, like we we're talking about Echo Pro, right? Their Echo paper developer, dilute that 1 to 50 for a one-shot film developer. 30 minutes, ah. most all films. You're only buying wow. one juice. Yeah, it's yeah. A yeah. Wonderful, it's a wonderful film developer on that. Uh, try that sometimes, guys. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's, that's the, the,
2: eco, the eco paper developer for film?
1: Yeah, dilute it 1 to 50 if you're going to develop film. So about uh, 6 mils, 5 mils, uh, to a 300 mil uh, tank, and uh, it lasts for a good long time. It has the sho- it, I'd say, it probably almost has a shelf life of HC 110 on that. so
3: I know that you've been doing a whole lot of things lately um uh you're 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 bubbling over with with projects so what's uh, (laughs) what have you been doing in the last couple of weeks
0: but I'm thin on time um so I'm gonna do this kickstarter for that panoramic camera I have and I've been hanging out with Joe Van Cleve quite a bit and so he came over to shoot some direct positives with his eight by ten box camera the other day uh, when we were playing with the RA four process, and I really loved his box camera. It was just um, you know very very functional, and he also made it out of like you know cardboard and tape and some plywood or whatever things he found around the house. But it was it was super nice to use. Um, it's actually one of my favorite cameras to use. I don't think I'd want to move it around a lot, but um, for my studio, it was pretty good. So I built myself a laser-cut version of this with some improvements, um, and I've got one in my studio right now. I think tomorrow Joe and I are going to build a nice one and make a little video of how to, and then I'm going to sell uh, flat pack 8 by 10s and then maybe up to 20 by 24s in uh, just like I- Ikea furniture-style thing the internet.
2: So, so that is, that a t- is that like a box sliding inside a box for your focusing? Yes.
0: yes. So like that Pinholio self-developing pinhole camera um, it's got like an inner box and then the back has a center box and then there's an outer box on the front as well and so the back slides out and it's got a you know uh, ground glass spring back with a piece of acrylic um, and takes lens boards. Right now it takes 6x6 six Geodorf six, uh, style lens boards but Um, I got to make it bigger because I like using some old copier lenses that are just too big for that lens board. Um, so I made that and it works great. Um, I want to make a pretty one before I advertise them on the internet that, you know, I didn't just slap together in a few hours to see how it worked. Um, and then that got me thinking about the Afghan box camera challenge that we've been working on. And I did some calculations based on that for a 20 by 24 tank, um, or or 20 by 24 camera with with tanks on the bottom. And first I looked into PVC pipes um, and ABS pipes and they were very expensive and large and heavy. And then I was thinking about building an acrylic vertical tank that hangs below the camera. And I calculated the weight of the water or or liquid that would have to go into those tanks. And I realized I would have like 70 pounds worth of uh, liquid (laughs) in the tanks. And so I said, you know, I can't develop like that in the camera. What if I just put one tray in the bottom of the body and then I thought you know well if it's one tray why don't I um, make a um, a film holder that's actually a developing tray and so that's what I've done I'm, I'm still prototyping that but I think I will start making um, film holders that you tip them on their back and then they're a developing tray with a light tied baffle um, and then you need a <laughs> um, a spacer to push your ground glass back far enough because obviously this thing has to be thicker than um, a normal film holder Um, but I'm really excited to start doing some you know 8x10 color positives on RA4 paper and just sort of developing on the spot with this little box and funnel that I built Um, and then maybe you know make some really large versions and so I've actually been on um, eBay recently searching for deals on big old power packs and speedotron quad heads to get you know like 10,000 watt seconds of light for uh, (laughs) illuminating a 20 by 24 through a dim lens Uh, brighter than SO two, yeah so anyway yeah I've got uh, you know three new lines of products that I'm working on I'm uh, I'm excited about it but also I feel like there's no more time left
2: (laughs) so so these new ideas are like it's like getting infected with a virus you know they multiply and then you've got even more new things to do
0: yeah it's, yeah. it's if you give a mouse a cookie, right?
1: Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was going to offer this. If you're uh, more fun with chemistry, uh, take a little bit of the uh, potassium permanganate that you would use for the, to make your own reversal bleach, uh-huh. and then uh, uh, sodium nitrate, uh, stump killer. Uh, mix the two of those together. It makes a very nice flash powder uh from uh, the like uh. the eighteen eighties. Uh yeah. burned uh, ab- 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 about uh three grams of the one and about a gram of the other and it burns very brightly for about eight to ten seconds. I have a uh. picture of my wife illuminated, she's wincing fearing it was gonna blow up in her face. Uh but it illuminated quite well in the backyard.
0: Okay, yeah, I so. think I think that's something I would like to watch you do one day, Daniel. Yes. But yeah. I will regret right <laughs> making explosives from right. my backyard.
2: From your bunker yeah. in Albuquerque, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Yes. Uh
2: uh-huh. So that sounds really, really cool, uh, Ethan. What, what you're working on, and um, it's connected to what I'm working on. When we get around to that,
3: hey, uh, I I saw a picture of that box camera, and I, I think that it um I it it can be a winner um from its scalability alone, right? Um, you know, I mean because um the the it how much. Uh, I'll put it this way: How much time would it take for you to develop a version of that that's a not an eight by ten, but a four by ten?
2: You know, uh, uh,
3: that uses a half.
2: Just so uh, the same thing, cut in half. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I
0: mean, it would it would take me basically any other format. It would take me a day because I would have to make yeah. a file which is pretty quick because it's so simple but then i'd actually have to cut it out put it together and verify in real life that the file yeah. works before you know you but, but, things.
3: but that that's my point is that it's scalable um and it's and it's flexible the one thing that i and, and i'm going to give you a challenge on this um and, and i don't know how to do am it am i not
0: challenged stuff.
3: enough you <laughs> You were challenged long before I met you. And, uh, no. Um, the, the, <laughs> this challenge has to do with the idea of the um, uh, if you have a 16 by 20 version or even an 8 by 10 version, that's a big box. Do you think you could make it collapsible? Well, OK, down? So,
0: so I have three 8 by 10 cameras right now uh-huh. and they're all well. Two of them are scalable up. One is not. So one is the handheld 8 by 10 that's being printed on this giant printer that takes maybe a month to come out. I think that'll be a real fun thing. But um, it takes a long time to get, you know, some of the prints in many pieces are a week long. So um, in order to get it printed out, and it's also very complicated, so you fit it together and make sure things fit or they don't. And then you print it out again and again and again. It could take a really long time. The other thing that I've been working on but had shelved was my 8x10 that's partially laser cut and partially 3D printed.
1: And again, Mm
0: -hmm. that's very close to uh, working, but it's not perfect. And I think it's going to be a really, really nice camera, particularly in sizes that are larger than 8x10. But again, you know, I need to put a good... Two weeks nonstop, if not a month into that thing before I can call it a product that I'm willing to sell. Joe's box Uh camera was so simple that I thought in one day I could go from, you know, zero to having a working camera. That's like such a pleasure to use and takes such nice pictures, except, you know, it's a big, bulky, ugly box. Um, but yeah, I, I did that in one day and I slapped it together. I would take a little bit longer to like stain and sand it if I was making a Mm -hmm. nice one. And I may do that tomorrow, but, um, you know, so this box camera design will always just be a big, ugly box. Will I make other large format cameras that collapse or do more things or have more precise focusing? Absolutely. But, but this one's just going to stay as like the simplest thing, the cheapest thing I can sell a flat pack kit to somebody. Right. May and not there's a wood shopper like
3: economics. i want them to be able
0: to do it with glue and tape right yeah. yeah
3: yeah yeah. and paint bright yellow and orange
0: um yeah so, yeah. yeah whatever absolutely. color you want
3: bright yellow and orange i've just sure. said it okay <laughs> so um nick what have you been uh up to well i'm finally
2: drawing uh out the geometry that's going to determine the the size and shape of the wheelbarrow bar- camera i'm I'm inspired by Ethan's uh, beautiful uh, direct positive color process, which really suits the way I want to work with this particular project. I have already got the lens for it. It's this big, giant, uh, you know, process lens, Nikkor 610 millimeter process lens. And that thing throws a 40 inch image circle and it throws it uh, on a surprise. I mean, 610 millimeters isn't that Um, deep so the camera ends up being a big square that's relatively shallow so as far as using this as an afghan camera it doesn't really work because i can't even get a tray big enough for the film inside the camera unless (laughs) unless i you know unless we do the idea of tipping the the film holder and using it as a as a tank and that's probably a good idea for that first stage
3: nick um uh, a lot of the afghan cameras that i saw the um tank the the developing trays actually sit behind the film holder.
2: Yes, or, right. Or and, the, and and that's where so, I'm going with this. But instead yeah, yeah. of having a huge box, so my first yeah. version was a really big box and I was going to focus it by moving the rear standard back and forth inside the box. And then uh-huh. you'd have a peephole so you could see the ground glass and you know all that. Uh-huh. But but I like the idea of it being a little more compact. Um, and I'm thinking in terms of maybe using, like, a dark tent behind a film holder, which basically you can just tip down the film holder, which could be a tray, um, and then do your developing in a dark tent. So the whole thing collapses down a lot smaller. You don't have to have, like, a big enough box for Because this thing will shoot. Uh, I can do, you know, 30-inch square negatives in this, in this uh, with this lens. And that's with room for movements. Um,
0: well, and it, okay, Nick, let, let me point one thing out is that – APO or is, uh, it's that image circle at one to one. So as you That's back true. up, That's you're, you're going to have to. It'll at get smaller. Points. That's yeah.
2: true. Yeah. So I need to find out. I need, what I need to do next is actually test it, um, you know, and see or, what, uh, what actually happens. Um,
3: or what you need do to do it. is just go take a picture of everything that's 40 inches in
2: diameter <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's <laughs> no, I just that's I, your zine well i do want to use it fairly close in I, i'm thinking of this as a more of a portrait lens than anything else um yeah so it's going to be fairly close um because it's an at that size it's a normal lens i mean yeah it's one-to-one but it's 40 inches so you can get half of a person in at one-to-one i mean that's pretty good
0: yeah <laughs> pretty good <laughs>
3: I think uh, I, I think a one to one macro portrait is is a wonderful concept.
2: I think right. that, you know, and two to that, one, you got the whole person in the frame.
3: Yeah. Just think of how much airbrushing you'll have to do on every one of those. So uh, just to make everybody beautiful, you know, get rid of all the wrinkles. Well, I think
2: so, we're going to try and do all this in camera. So that means we have to paint the person directly rather than the image afterwards.
3: Oh, yeah, Absolutely absolutely bunches of foundation makeup right Right. that that's that's what we'll have to do Mm -hmm. um uh daniel what what um uh what do you have uh that you've been working on lately i don't think that we've we've talked about that yet um what what's Mm -hmm. this week or the or this month in uh in your photographic world
1: in my photographic world, I was given a, a very generous amount of film. Uh, a person who confessed that he is a math teacher, not a chemist, was having uh-huh. a, a very hard time getting some older uh, Orwo NP7 film uh, to <laughs> it to his liking. He was only uh-huh. being able to drive uh, 25 ISO out of it. Now, it's older film, and it was 400 film uh, to begin with. Uh-huh. And he goes, I, I, I'm in Denmark. I... Can't get a whole lot of chemicals here without licensing or, you know, breaking laws and things like this. Um, And and he goes, I'm frustrated. I'm not ready to toss this whole. He goes, I got a I got a buttload of this film. I don't want to give it up. He goes, but in the wintertime, I I can't get by on, on, you know, 12 to 25 ISO. It's just not enough light here. And can you help me out? He sent me. 400 feet, a 400 foot can of (laughs) this stuff. And so I said, Well, here's choice one, choice two. I ended up with four different developers for them, one that I got 800 speed out of, which was the green tea, the green tea phenol formula. I Uh doubled the amount of ascorbic acid, I went up to one gram, and then half a gram of the green tea extract, uh, and 30 minutes developing time, and got 800 ISO. So he was turning cartwheels at that. And I had it dialed in. I felt bad for the guy. He could have sent me like four rolls of 36 and I would have right. had working formulas for me. He's going to send me some film. I didn't think it was going to be this, you know, a 400 foot can. So I got Orwo np 7 to add to my uh, collection of films in the freezers. Wow. I got three freezers full of stuff. <laughs> what's, <laughs> yeah.
3: What's the, what's the date? What was the date on
1: that film? Uh, nineteen ninety
3: four. Okay, I had some uh, Orwo. Uh, I think it was NP seventeen. Is that one of theirs? That sounds about right. Um, that sounds right. Yeah. That came in the uh, these little tiny cans, and it was three thirty six exposure. It, you know, it was like a mini bulk like, load
1: like 15 and, meters.
3: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, but it was also it was also uh, pre-scored with the um with with the leader, you know, and or what what am I trying to say? Um it was die-cut, you know, when they when they cut the um perfs, they also cut out the the, you know, the the, the leader shape. And right. so my, my first one I uh, I rolled, you know, 24 into it. And then I came across this, you know, this break in the film right in the middle of it uh, of the next role. But um, I think that that had been stored uh, under, uh, you know, a hot tin roof for 30 years. And it's here. Here's what it's great. I I love it in pinhole cameras, that type of really old, beat up, uh, brutalized, uh, burnt film. To me, it's perfect for pinhole uh, images. Uh, I, I, I like those a lot. Um, so, hey, that's that that that's cool. Uh, <laughs> so um, let's uh, any anybody else before I go to my week. OK, uh, what I did, I had a, a couple of little adventures. One of them um, was that I bought uh, for relatively cheap some uh kodak 4125 in four by five and that 4125 is um kodak copy film and it's it's uh orthochromatic but it it, it the speed uh that's listed on their pdf white uh, you know the pdf data sheet is for tungsten you know copy light um And so I had no idea what I was going to get out of the speed, taking it out into the into the world and shooting it. So uh, what I did was I filled four holders. It's four by five film. I filled four four by five holders and set up the camera and uh, kept the aperture consistent and just changed shutter speeds. And I shot it at six, twelve, twenty five and fifty ISO. And uh, I I think it's a 12 ISO outdoor film, but it's very contrasty. So I have to figure out something to do to really tame the contrast on
1: that. D23. D D D23.
3: D23. Yeah, but that's the but that's a meat all um uh one. And I once again remember my um my septic um and I, I, I stay away from that um are are there any you know here i have some from photographers fat from photographers formulary um some uh td3 because i have a whole bunch of uh technical pan would that do you guys think that that would uh would tame that um the contrast on that
1: uh pota will also do it too uh uh uh, phenidone and sodium sulfite uh would also pota. reduce it yeah okay pota, P-O-T-A. Yeah. yeah okay I'll you, you lose you, you lose one stop of speed though so if it's already low speed film that's going to be uh, a, a hamstring or you know you will be sitting there longer on the tripod on that yeah but so that far. will give no, you I'm good not, continuous not tone yeah. yeah yeah
3: okay uh, I'm not going to shoot that handheld. I mean, if it's, if it's ISO 12 to start with, I'm, you know, uh, I'm, you know, and that's a four by five. I'm pretty much uh, married to a tripod with that thing anyway. So, uh, so thanks. Yeah, that that's, uh, I'll look into that. Um, so my other thing was, uh, I've been mentioning, I've been mentioning the last couple of shows that I'm uh, designed a six by 12, three um, uh, printed camera. Um, and, uh, I think I had just put it together for our last episode and, but I had not gotten, I had to kind of kludge it back together and, um, I shot, a, shot a roll and it, it, it doesn't have any light leaks, but it, uh, I think it does have some light bouncing around in the cone and I'll talk about that in a second, but the, um, uh, so I finally was able to print the back. I have the back on it, um, and uh, it, it, it's running just the way I want. I um, uh, took it out and shot some more, uh, another roll just to check for light leaks on the back, and it's it's perfectly fine. Now, in the image area only, I am getting some streaks. So what that tells me is something is coming in the nose cone or it's light bouncing around the nose cone. And I'm pretty sure it's, um, it's bouncing around the nose cone. Cause I didn't, didn't do anything. And it's, you know, it's, it's glossy, um, uh, you know, uh, 3d printed plastic in there. So I need to go in and, and paint it matte, or, you know, just, uh, uh, spray rubber or something in there. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, I had originally thought of this as kind of a one-off camera. Um, You know, it's just, uh, this is mine and it's one-off, but I am considering um, making the files available on that. So here's something I'm going to challenge our listeners on. If you are at all interested in files for, I'm not saying I'm going to send them to you. I want to hear from you guys as to whether this is something that you guys are interested in are you interested in files for a six by 12 camera um now i'll have to figure out what to do for a note for different nose cone uh lengths uh i'm interested
2: i'm interested
3: okay no you're not a listener you never (laughs) listen you aren't listening right now you're not listening okay um still interested yeah (laughs) okay yeah yeah. nick what is your what's your lens uh that you want to put on it uh uh, what do you recommend uh well right now i have a fuji fujinon uh 65 f8 um which is you know it's wide
2: i got a 65 Um, optar it's a a little tiny one it's not the greatest it's not the greatest lens but it would be easy to
3: use well, just if, if I can look up what the flange focal um,
2: distance sure. is, I can I can do you one. Um, I can I can measure it right off of a sentry graphic with it mounted on it. So.
3: Okay, and um, uh, I, I have this thing set up for an M65 um, helical, so you'll have to source that. Um, I have one. Uh, oh, or you'll have to source it from your drawer, um, then. So. Uh, so anyway, uh, if you guys are all interested in that, uh, get hold of me at Graham at homemade G R A H A M at homemade And, um, I, I just want to gauge the, the interest and, uh, and see if this is something that other people are, are, are really interested in. So, um, so anyway, uh, that's what my week's been. get a
1: hold of you um they i'm approachable on facebook so it's uh daniel.keating.tucson uh you'll see an old black and white picture actually a fairly recent black and white picture of me uh that was uh shot an rb67 a pieced together camera one of my co-workers uh is a digital shooter and he came upon a box of stuff and he gave me a lens uh for an rb67 i said well gosh i have you know, other Mameyas, but not an RB. So I'm going to need a body. <laughs> I'm not going to let that deter me. <laughs> i got to build a camera around this. And uh, so I isn't got it a, funny
3: uh, how that happens?
1: <laughs> it is. So I got a used body from Japan for like a hundred bucks. And then this lens, it had a back, it had a, a waist level finder, was in fairly good shape. I didn't have to do too much tweaking to it. Um, and it worked just fine. A little a little lube on one little uh, uh, portion of it. Um and, uh, you'll see a picture of me in my backyard, a self-portrait, but you can reach me, uh, uh like I said, uh, daniel.keating.tucson on Facebook. I'm always approachable by chat and, uh, willing to help people out, you know, Hey, what should I do about this? What do you think about that? Where can I get this mm-hmm. from, you know, at the best rate or, uh, a good quality? Is this stuff any good? I get often approached by people who are skeptical or dubious. Um, they're getting into film, and uh, not knowing what to buy or where to buy it from, uh, bang for the buck, that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. I just hate to see people dissuaged from the hobby for fear that it costs too much or that their wife doesn't want toxic stuff around the baby. That's the other thing too. Younger people who are 20, 30-something who are raising a family and they don't want toxic stuff around their kids or the perception that it's toxic. Well, you know, you have stuff in the laundry room. You have vitamins. The kids don't pop vitamins all the time, right? Uh, you can repurpose a lot of this stuff, uh, to make photochemicals that are fairly non-toxic stuff that you could put down your septic, uh, without having to worry about things in small quantities, uh, and, uh, at a lower price. These, uh, it, it's not rocket science and people, I just don't want people afraid to try. Don't be afraid mm-hmm. to experiment. Um, and, uh. uh don't be afraid that it's beyond you, that you're not smart enough to figure this out, or uh, you don't have to spend forty-five dollars on a Weston dial thermometer. Uh, you right. can get one for five ninety-nine from uh, you know the uh, dollar store or from Amazon, a small scale. Right. To do this, to do this back in the in the eighties, to have an O-House triple beam balance, that was a four hundred dollar scale, you know, to, to weigh stuff accurately. You might be able to get by with a reloading scale that was a hundred bucks, you know, for reloading ammo, the grain weight scale, then convert. But now you can get a, a digital scale from Amazon for ten dollars. That's quite accurate. Right, right, you know, and accurate.
3: switches back and forth uh, between metric and the stupid system that we use.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right. And so you you have tw- you know I I just tell people you know you recycle your kombucha bottles, just take the labels off of them and mark them photochemicals. Mm-hmm. It's My deck ever-class. told us in a kombucha bottle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I ask people at work, hey, say these things for me. Uh, the, the, I had a gal who was addicted to those little five-hour energy drinks, the little plastic oh, yeah, yeah. bottles, right, The little white plastic. Those things are great to send samples. Here, try some 510 Pyro. Try some Obsidian Aqua. And by the way, here's the formula if you really like it. I send stuff for free all over the place. In little samples of chemistry, uh, uh, one guy, he's gobbling it up. He, he goes, I'll buy these chemicals from you. If I, I don't want to buy a whole bunch at one time. What if I don't like it? Exactly. Here's a little sample right. bottle. Try the different developers. Then you have one you like. Boom. There's the formula. Here's where I source this stuff from. A great source of chemicals, your secondary chems like your sulfites, metabisulfite, a uh, Place that caters mostly to cosmetic makers. Make your own dot buzz. Try ordering from them and not have it come up with a, you know, people think am i ordering from the uh, DEA. Am I going to have people knocking on my door? Make your own buzz, you know, kind of a thing. Right. Uh, they're in Alabama, and the best prices I've seen, along with shipping. You have to factor in shipping on this now. Uh, uh, these other, some of these other chemical houses or like double the cost uh, of buying the chems and then asking for shipping, they get you on double on the stuff. But mm-hmm. this place is, is in Alabama, and half the price, half the price of uh, sodium thiosulfate, for example, to make your own fixer and such Then photographer's yeah. formulary. And not, not to be bad about photographer's formulary, everyone has to make a, a, a dollar. We're not communists right. here. But, right. you know, when you're looking at buying stuff in bulk, uh, uh, sodium sulfite was like four fifteen a pound. It, it's it's really inexpensive uh, from this outfit. But all your mm-hmm. boric acid, sodium sulfite, metabisulfites, sodium thiosulfate—they just don't sell developing agents. You'd have to order your hydroquinone, metol, pyrocatechol, anything uh-huh. else from either Artcraft in New York, uh, eBay dealers, or Formulary uh, mm-hmm. as popular uh, outlets uh, mm-hmm. for the main mainstay developer agents as far as all right all
3: right yeah i'm looking at that uh yeah it looks like they've got tons of stuff Um,
1: i'm
2: just imagining uh, that you would have a big suitcase with a lot of little compartments and you could be you know like just like the pharma, the pharmacy guy that shows up with all the little samples uh, Uh
3: well
1: with those little bottles Mm -hmm. i can be santa claus i can give it away i i have uh drawings i get people to you know comment to like a post on on like the darkroom group or analog film photography, and I have a little spin wheel, one of these little you know uh, you know internet you know enabled uh, random spin wheels. I put oh, everyone's sure. name. I put everyone's name that likes the post. Hey, like this like this post. I'll put you in for a drawing for a hundred mils of five ten pyro or obsidian aqua. You know developer that you really can't buy anywhere that you have to make yourself. That's the whole thing. Get people the idea. Make this yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You, yeah, yeah, you get better quality developer at times and less expensive and it has longevity. Uh, it doesn't go bad, you know, in a period of time. You You don't have to mix a whole gallon at once and pour half of it down the drain because you didn't shoot a whole bunch of film.
2: Right, or wonder You're if right. it's expired or not. Like, do you Right,
1: this it? is kind of brown, What should I right. do. And people are very paranoid. I get a lot of people, I get a lot of static when I tell people split the batch, weigh out 8.2 grams of, of D76 yeah. and use one to three. Oh, some of that magic powder will be in one end of the baggie and you'll have uneven development. Or like the person who commented earlier that the stuff went bad, got air, got to the powder and it turned yeah, brown. Mean, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's going to happen. I, 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 I Ran into people who said, throw away your old film. Don't even bother with old film. Throw away that old developer. Don't listen to this guy <laughs> talk about splitting batches and use the right developer for the right stuff. So, what did I do? I took a roll of film that was expired in 1952. I took a uh-huh. can of deck doll developer that was dated 1951 with the sardine can turnkey. Right? right? <laughs> okay. I opened it up. I extracted 1.9 grams of that, de- that deck doll. And then developed that roll of film, that 68-year-old roll of film in there and presented the results. And I said, so you're going to tell someone to throw this away?
3: Yeah.
2: So that did remind me of one question in all of this. Are you using Tucson water to mix these chems, or are you buying distilled water?
1: (laughs) No, I'm using using, uh, Tucson water. The only thing I use distilled water for is anything that's going to be hanging around a while, like when I make my uh, benzo, my benzo Mm because I only use six drops of a 1% solution for a roll of film to cut down on base fog. So that chemistry is going to be hanging around for a while. I'll Mm -hmm. use distilled for that. I'll use distilled for part a of my obsidian aqua again, because you're using a quarter of a mil for a roll of film. So a 50 mil bottle does 200 rolls. Wow. And you know, what's He's 12 got, grams of pyrocathol yes. and a gram of sodium metabisulfate pennies. Right. It's, it's less than a penny a roll. Wow. Cool. So,
3: yeah. so cool, all
1: cool, the extra,
2: cool. extra chemistry that comes with the Tucson water isn't really a problem. Then it's a, uh...
1: No, it's That's uh, the secret. It's hard water. <laughs> the water here is so hard. We're, we're I know. like the uh, kidney stone capital of the world. Oh, I know. So, and
2: you and your and your hot water heater makes these loud stomach noises all day long. And yeah,
3: yeah, we have that. We have that sound here. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, is there anybody you want to um, uh, shout out to anybody? Uh, um, uh, anybody who's also in the game? Or anybody um,
1: else. Uh, Renee Smits. is he uh, in the in, in our group here? Um, he he's. Uh,
0: I don't uh, know who uh, he is. Yeah. Yes, he's yes. on my list of people to reach out to.
1: Right, his his craftsmanship, like like when I built my my pal- my pallet poor boy, and I made my folded bellows <laughs> out of the ninety seven cent sheet of uh, construction paper from walmart and hockey stick tape and then i saw his <laughs> <laughs> making the bellows and i'm like Yee! you know and i sent him a, a thing he goes he goes this is fantastic he goes he's looking at mine saying it's fantastic for its simplicity that someone could go that low and get results that you know obviously it's not going to last for a hundred years not like the things he's making you know kind of a thing <laughs> uh but someone who just needs a camera in the moment uh, you know, can experience that joy, but he's, uh, you know, I look at some of the stuff that people crank out that have the nice woodworking tools and the uh, laser cut 3d print uh, thousands of dollars worth of equipment. And it shows in the results uh, mm-hmm. uh, the people who are true craftsmen out there versus me with my lowest common denominator. Uh, if I were a, a poor person with nothing in this world, uh, could I develop a camera or could I build a camera and pull it off? Yeah, I could. But look at the results compared to, you know, the true craftsmen out there. Um, it's embarrassing mm-hmm. at that point. Uh, but I know what I'm making, you know, it, it's...
3: But the question is... <laughs> uh, uh, the, question, the question I always ask at that point is what's the quality of the image? Um, you know, uh, uh, but the other thing is I also believe that beautiful cameras beg to be picked up and taken places. Um, Mm -hmm. So there are a couple of different, you know, uh, viewpoints on that. Um, Like,
1: don't uh, take your Leica to the beach. Well, if you want beach sunset photos on a Simicron, (laughs) you 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 can take the Simicron lens off and screw it on a Zorky, you know, kind of a thing, and not to worry (laughs) about getting sand in your Leica, you know, yes, you have an old Fed. You know, put a high quality piece of glass on it and oh, you
2: know. the, le- the like will be fine. Just don't change lenses in a wind.
1: Right. <sighs> so yeah, okay. I,
2: I I think okay. that I love how we, we can't even ask you your email address without <laughs> without learning three new formulas. <laughs> yeah, I, I
1: think email address the, the email address is very simple Keating K E A T I N G dot zero six at Comcast.net.
2: So I'm still the same old Nick Lyle on Flickr and Avi Nick on Instagram, and I avoid my own Facebook page like the plague, but I am uh, active on the Homemade Camera Podcast Facebook group, which uh, is where people seem to want to gather. And now I'm uh, all hooking into the ones that I learned about through Daniel and Ethan that uh, are more about developing and processing as well.
3: Nick at Homemade Camera.
2: Oh, almost at it.
3: And Ethan at Homemade Camera and Graham at Homemade Camera. Cameradactyl.com and Cameradactyl on YouTube. And uh, yes. Um, hey, I want to say one thing. Um, we have on our website, HomemadeCamera.com, we have the form and the upload available for those of you who have already started or you, you've got some results from your uh, cell phone um, developing camera. Now, uh, this will not be due. When did we say February? I don't know, March, April, April, 1st. April 1st, April 1st. Um, that would, that's when it's going to be due. Um, I would, uh, uh I-, I think we should do a zine of those. Um, and so there's a little permission there, uh, um, uh, to allow us to use the images in a zine. Uh, and if you don't want to, um, note it, if you want to just tell us about it, as a way of communicating your cool thing with us, uh, way cool.
2: So will we get will uh, we get our will we get our self developing camera zine in a light type bag and have to dip it in Dectol?
3: I or or um, when I was a kid, they had those secret ink things, you know, where you had uh, you would write and not know what you were writing uh, with one pen, and then you would have to develop it with the other pen. So that's um, and. I'm sure by the time we're, we're at that point, Dan will have a formula for us
0: to, yeah. um, <laughs>
3: I bet he does. I <laughs> uh, probably does already. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, okay. Um, uh, let's thank Robbie for, um, being, uh, uh, you know, uh, way cool and doing our music. Um, and he, you can get him at Soundtrap Studios and also dan thank you very much for being on our podcast um
0: uh yeah I, i'm thank I'm, you dan I'm stoked.
2: yeah thanks I'm
3: stoked. Um, just the whole idea you're that, welcome yeah we can, we can do this until uh we no longer have digital scales
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, yes.